following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I want to talk to you for the next few moments as we're in this atmosphere of faith of what I'm calling 40 days of favor and transformation. 40 days of favor and, trans- and transformation. Touch your neighbor and say, get ready for 40 days of great favor and great transformation. It's time to break into new cycles. To break out of old cycles and break into new cycles. Now, most of you that's been tracking here with us at Word Alive over the past few years understand that we believe in the biblical calendar to where we align with God. And three times a year, he comes intentionally to us to move us into a different cycle in our life. Look at that um, graph with me, if you will. Cycles of breakthroughs and cycles of blessings. Next graph, please. God comes to us three times a year intentionally. We know at Passover with redemption. Then he brings us into Pentecost with revelation. And then he takes us on into what we're headed into now, tabernacles, which speaks of restoration. And these are God's cycles of blessings that every year he comes to you. Why does God come to his people every year? Because every year we get stuck. Touch two two or three people and say, have you ever gotten stuck? Touch two or three more people and say, I'm going to be touching you and getting you unstuck today. We get stuck. We get stuck in cycles. And what happens is if, if, God, if we don't get a revelation from God that he through his goodness does not want us to stay here and he wants to move us forward. His desire to move you forward, I promise you, is much greater than your desire to move forward. And unless we get an, a revelation or an intentional moment in our lives, this is data, this isn't my opinion, most people stay stuck. Let me show you more of a secular looking map that may help us in this journey. And if you can't read it, I'll, I'll put it up to you. These are point, point lines of spiritual energy, if you will. The lowest being shame, which is 20 points, then guilt with 30, fear of 100, anger of 150, courage 200, gratitude 510, joy in abundance 550, peace 600, and enlightenment 1,000 points. This is just a map to help us gauge our lives. Let's leave it up there a minute. What's interesting is shame and guilt is the lowest energy on the map. And isn't it amazing that so many of us actually stay stuck even at that level of shame and, 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 and guilt because we never can get over our past. But then some of us begin to have a desire to move forward and, and then we make a move and we get slip over to 100, 150 points, which is fear and anger. Now the good news about fear and anger, that's motivator. Fear and anger is a motivator. If you get afraid of something, fear can motivate you to do something about it. 
If you get angry about something, it can motivate you to do something about it, but there is no transformational power in fear and anger. It has no value to transform you. It can only motivate you. Now, here's what's staggering. 80% of society live below 150 points. Eight out of ten people you know are living below that 200-point line in fear and anger. They may have gotten past a, a way of, ahead of guilt and shame, but they're afraid of the future. They're afraid to try anything new. I'll be back over here in a minute. <laughs> they're, they're afraid to, to take any steps of change. Some call it stuck in a rut. And they just get up every day and they do the same job and they do the same thing with the same people because of the fear of the unknown to ever be willing to step out and do something that's going to bring transformation and change to their life. But if you ever take one step out of fear and anger into courage, if you ever make one act, one courageous act, of faith is enough to move you exponentially out of fear and anger into courage. And when you get there, now things get accelerated. Because when you start moving in faith and you start moving in courage, all of a sudden what happens, God starts working in your life because it says you draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. The next thing you know, a spirit of gratitude gets a hold of you because you're moving and seeing God move. And then the next thing you know, you're moving in joy and you're moving in abundance and then you're walking in God's peace. And the next thing you know, you're just enlightened and you walk around and you are the light of the world, a city set on the hill. You're not hid under a bush, but everybody's just wanting what you got, that's what I want. I want. Hey, hey, 20th century boy, where'd you get that joy? You know, where, where'd you get that peace? Where'd you get? But I've been to a lot of churches. And not many of them are living past this place on Sunday morning. They're not coming for enlightenment or transformation. They're coming out of religious duty, tradition. But we're not here for tradition. We're saying we're not here for information. We're here for transformation in our lives. Touch three people and make a decree and tell them, I'm not staying where I'm at. Just tell them, I'm not staying where I'm at. Let's talk real quick what gets us stuck. Trauma is any negative experience that shapes and influences you and me. Trauma is the plan of the enemy. So what he'll do is he'll put you in traumatic experiences. And what happens in these traumatic experiences, these negative experiences, they begin to shape and influence us. It could be a divorce. It could be a lost job. It could be health failing. It, it could be a, all of a sudden a financial crisis. But whatever the, the trauma that affects your life, what happens, it's a negative experience. But if it's not processed, it actually shapes and influences. And the second point, it becomes internalized into a limited personal narrative. 
Think about 80% of the people that you know. What is their story? What is their narrative? You're not around them long and they're telling you what's happened to them in an old season. And what happens is a third point, it results in a fixed mindset that's defined by failure and any other past experiences. So the only thing their minds are identifying with is the past and the failures of the past. It could be addiction, it could be sin, it could be missing the mark, it could be any type of behavior that's bringing you these negative results in your life. But what happens is we get a fixed mindset. And it's, it's, it's staggering to know how many people sit under God's word every week, but they've got such a fixed mindset of where they're at and where they can be that they never are able to see themselves somewhere else than they actually already are right now. But I got good news to you. My Bible says I know the thoughts I think towards you, says God, thoughts of a blessed and a hopeful future, and God's about to do some good things. I see you in the future, and things look a whole lot different than they do right now. Touch three people, say, I'm going somewhere else. What keeps us stuck? Because remembering the past is easier than imagining the future. Remembering your past is so much easier than, than imagining your future. Because what trauma does, it locks down your imagination. And you can't even imagine yourself being somebody else or somewhere else than you are right now. Yet God says in Ephesians 3 and 20, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever imagine or believe for. So people are simply works in progress who mistakenly believe they're finished. Good news is no matter where you are currently in the, on this map or in your life experience, God is not finished with you. The good work that he started in you, he is going to finish it in Jesus' name. My God is a finisher. The good thing that he started, he is able to bring it to Full completion. Touch three people say, he's finishing me right now. He's finishing me. Here's some questions for you to help you get unstuck. Is the story in your mind based more on the past than the future? Because we all walk around with our own narrative in our minds. So is your mind's story that's rehearsed inside of you every day, is it stuck more in the past or is it focused on the future? And so what happens is you got to start telling you you're the right story until you start telling other people your story. I don't believe you should be a former anything. I am not a former addict. I am a future instrument in God's hands. I refuse to identify with what my past has brought me through. I'm only going to imagine and identify with what my future says. 
So what story are you telling? God told Abraham who was barren, his wife's barren. He changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means fathers of nation. So here's a barren man with no children and a barren wife. Every time he introduces himself, he says, hello, my name is father of many nations. Everybody's introduced himself to says, you ain't got no children. Your wife's barren and you're 99. He said, I know. Thank you for so much for re- reminding me of that. I am a father of many nations. Why? He refused to tell the story of his barrenness because he got a hold of what God was going in that moment and he was able to slip on into a new place. I thank you, whoever said that. Somebody said good preaching. I was about to tell myself. (laughs) Quickly, what are the experiences you're regularly having? Are you regularly having aha moments where God is showing you revelation or are you stuck in negative places? What environment do you regularly find yourself in? Do you find yourself regularly being attracted to negativity? People who are negative speaking negative things? Do you find yourself being attracted to people who are down in the doldrums, always talking about how bad it is, always seeing the glass half empty instead of seeing it half full? Is the people at work always want to talk to you about how bad our nation is and how bad our politics are and how bad everything? The reason they're stuck is they don't have a proper view. They don't see from God's perspective. If you only look at our world in the last 30 years, you'd think we're going down the twos. But look at it in the last 1,000 years. Don't get a scarcity mentality. What are you surrounded by? What kind of input are coming into your, into your lives, your mind, your psyche? What information are you feeding on? Are you feeding more on Facebook? Instagram? I'm not, a, I love, I think it's a great tool, but is that all you're getting? Because if it's all you're getting in your psyche, you're not going to go very far. You're going to stay about right where you are. Because two things are going to happen. You're going to be angry about those that are succeeding, and they're really not succeeding. They're only succeeding on Instagram. Anybody can paint you an Instagram success. So you're going to get disappointed because you think everybody else is doing so much greater than you are, and then you're going to be, be afraid to try anything. So I would say get, get away from that for just a little while. Get a hold of the Word of God and find out what He says about you, what you can be, what He can do in your life. Let God send you a text. Come on, somebody. Where do you find yourself on the map? Be honest. Do you find yourself continually living in fear-based mentality or angry about the past or in guilt or shame? When's the last time you actually remember taking a step of courage? In other words, you just... You just looked at all circumstances and, 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 and in, in spite of them, you said, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to forgive even though I shouldn't. 
I'm going to give another chance, even though they don't deserve it. I'm going to offer an offering that I've never offered before. I'm going to quit going to work doing a job I hate. And if it means that I have to downsize everything, I'm going to find something that fulfills me and I love to do it and I'm going to step into that. Come on, somebody. Is our bodies addicted to low-level energies? Low-level stuff, bad food, bad talk, gossip, negative energies? Just honestly ask ourselves, how is your health, finances, relationships, and your life actually functioning? This is this time of year we're at where God says, just take an introspection. Just take a peek. That's all he's saying. See, we don't understand repentance. We think repentance is boo-hooing at the altar. Repentance just means turn. Take inventory. See what you don't like. See what's taking you in a bad direction. And say, okay, I see it. I'm not that sad over it. I'm not that disappointed by it. It just is what it is. But the good news is I see it, and I am not staying here. I'm going somewhere else. Y'all tracking with me? This is what's called the Feast of Trumpets, Teshuvah, or the Hebraic, exact Hebraic thought of the next 40 days starting tonight are called Days of Favor. So today, tonight, we slip into a spiritual season called Days of Favor. Now, biblically, the concept is when Moses goes on the mountain for 40 days and has an encounter with God. In the New Testament, this is played out where Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days overcoming the enemy. So what are these 40 days of favor about? It's about you getting a fresh revelation of God and what he has for your life and defeating the enemy and what he has planned for your life. Come on now. That's why it says, sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm. Jesus said in Matthew 16, you know how to tell when the weather's going to change. You know how to look at the skies and know when it's going to be good weather or bad weather. But you don't understand how to tell what time it is spiritually. So he sends us a wake-up call for 40 days. We make this sound over our lives, over our children, over our families. Why? So that we can wake ourselves up to say, if you, it's okay to slumber some other seasons, but this ain't the season to slumber right now. For these 40 days, I'm locking and loading with the Lord, and we're moving into a new place. In Jewish tradition, these days are called days of favor. They liken it, some thoughts are, to the 40, to the number of weeks it takes for the human fetus to be formed in the womb. So what God is saying is simply that in this season, teshuva is a sort of death and rebirth. 
A death of a past life and the birth to a brand new life, a new creation. It is an awakening from sleep induced by sin and manifests itself as the power of the Holy Spirit working in the heart of the believer who trusts God for salvation. It's recognizing how sin and negative thinking and negative things have influenced us and brought us to this point. And it's receiving a fresh wind, if you will, in ourselves. It's not effort on your part. It's just awakening and awareness now for the Lord to move you forward into a brand new season. Puyah. The concept is the king is in the field. Look at this slide. In biblical times, for 11 months of the year, coming up to this month, people's lives alternate between the field and the palace, between the process of bread making or making a living, of material life, and the sublime moments in which we leave the field to enter the royal presence. In this month, however, the king comes in the field. What's that saying? That's saying 11 months up to this point in the biblical calendar, you've been working a job during the week and come to church on Sunday. And you come to church on Sunday because you desire God, you desire the purposes of God, you desire the plans of God, whether you're watching online or whether you attend here. You want to hear the word of God. You want to worship. Why? You want what God has for you. But there's a certain protocol to that, right? You have to get up. You have to get here. You have to you know, press into God's presence. But it says these 40 days aren't like that. God didn't wait for you to come here. He actually steps into your field. In other words, he gets into where your job is. He gets into what your work is. He gets into your family business. He gets all up in your business right now. Touch three people say, God's about to get all up in your business right now. He steps into your marriage. He steps into your relationships. He steps into your finances. He steps into your health. He steps into what motivates you. He steps into your purpose. He steps into your destiny. He steps into every part of your life in these 40 days. You don't have to find him. He's coming after you. His goodness and mercy are following you everywhere you go. 40 days of favor. You don't have to get into his realm. He gets into your realm. God gets involved in your affairs. And gives you illumination. Defeats the enemy on certain areas. rearranges things. This is what we would call on the Gregorian calendar New Year's resolution. That never works. As I read recently on New Year's resolution, the guy said, I'm really going to deal with procrastination in my life. That's one of my resolutions. resolutions. I'm going to start in March. But see, we've been doing the right thing, maybe, but at the wrong time. There is no spiritual, I'm just going to tell you, there is no, there's willpower. 
But I'm going to tell you, willpower don't work. Willpower only works when you're strong, and when you're strong, you don't need willpower. Willpower is personal strength. Personal strength only only is available when you're strong. I've never needed willpower when I'm strong. I need willpower when I'm weak. And when I'm weak, I have no willpower. Willpower does not get the job done. What gets the job done is when the great Holy Ghost steps into your situation and gives you a power on the inside of you to do the right thing and walk the right way. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. The king is in your field, has left his throne in his palace, and he's out here with all of us, wanting to be involved in our affairs. All you got to choose is, do you want God's will or you want your will? That's the only choice you have to make. You want to keep fighting it your way or you want to surrender and do it God's way? And when you do, the favor of God jumps on you. Now, let me look at one more scripture. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may be for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now hang on a minute. Hang on because I really want you to shout in a minute. Save your shout. I want a big one in a minute. I've been looking at this. Put that back up there one more time. Please, please. His anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. This is the key. This is the point point I want to get to. The psalmist is pinning this very powerfully and he says, God's anger lasts only a moment. And when he's saying that, he's not talking, when you see the structure of the context of the scripture, he's not saying God's angry. He's not saying God's mad. He's just saying, this is a, he's trying to explain or give verbiage to a moment of trauma. A moment of pain, a moment of sorrow, a moment of disappointment, a moment of disillusionment, a moment of depression, a moment of sickness, a moment of addiction where it appears God would be angry. So what he's saying is these moments, These things, this sorrow, this trouble. Here's the news. You are going to have trouble. Touch two people, say, I really don't want to touch you on this one, but I'm going to have to tell you the truth. You are going to have trouble. Don't, 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 don't take any faith message that says you're exempt from trouble. You're not exempt from trouble. And we're not exempt from sorrow. And we're not exempt from trials, and we're not exempt for for bad things happening in our life. But in comparison, the psalmist says, 
to the favor. He's saying in a, in, a, in a synopsis, I've had some trouble. I've had some difficulties. I've had some days that just sucked and I couldn't do anything about it. But in comparison to God's favor, it seems like it's just a moment. In comparison to the lifetime of God's favor, I've been walking in and enjoying it. Now, this will help you get unstuck. Feel my help coming now. <laughs> I may dive in that pool here in a minute if you keep doing that. This really blessed me. I never tied this together. In comparison, in comparison to the lifetime of God's blessings I've enjoyed, the trouble I've endured only seems like a moment. Weeping, I've never seen this before. Weeping endures for the night. Joy comes in the morning. I'd always read that thought, a season of weeping, a season of trouble. The direct Hebrew translation, you know what it says? Sorrow is simply an overnight guest. It's like a stranger who happened to pass by and you just let him lodge overnight. He's not a part of the family. He doesn't belong there. He doesn't have a lifetime resident to be there. He doesn't have permission to stay for a long season. He's just an overnight guest. And in the morning, he's got to go. And joy is coming back in to your situation. but he's just spending the night. He's not going to stay with you forever. Your trial has an expiration date. It'll do what it's supposed to do, but once it's done, what it's supposed to do, it's got to get out and it's got to go. Touch your neighbor say, go home and kick somebody out your bedroom. Tell them, go home, kick somebody out your bedroom. Go home and tell sorrow, pack your stuff up, get out of my house. This ain't that season. Go home, tell depression, pack your toiletry kit, get your butt out my house. You stayed too long. You're not welcome anymore. You got, there's a stranger in my house. Come on. They ain't got no right there. They, they do have a right for an overnight, but not forever. And some people, the enemies lied to you and said, you're never going to be out of addiction. You're never going to be out of depression. You're never going to be out of sorrow. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. It was only temporary for a moment, but in his favor is a lifetime of blessings. And God's going to start giving you some tokens.
to show you what season you're in. He didn't cause you to blindly believe it. He's going to start doing some things to ignite your faith. Give you a little nudge, a little wink. Like, get ready. Things ain't like the guy, things ain't going to be in the future like they've been in. Now, granted, I understand sometimes an overnight stay feels like a decade. And so there's been, I've had moments where you just know favor's on you. It's just on you. You pray, you get an answer. You give, you get a harvest. You minister, it works. You step out in faith and it happens. And then I've had seasons where you rebuked it and it didn't buke. Come on. It just stayed. And what happens is when you get in those seasons, it's hard to transition because you start creating your narrative as if you're always going to be here and you quit imagining your future. That's what this 40 days is about. It's about being able to reimagine your future with God. So Bev and I are traveling a couple weeks ago. We're up in North Carolina ministering, and uh, we get ready to come home. And Bev wakes up in the morning. She says, Ken, I feel favor. I said, what do you mean? She said, I don't know. I just, I feel that kind of favor that we've walked in in certain seasons. I said, what I feel like? <laughs> I won't feel that. She said, I just sense it. All right. So we get to the airport to fly home, and we never fly American Airlines. We fly Delta Airlines because it's easier out of Atlanta. And so we get on American Airlines. Most we're in economy and it's tight, you know. People are getting on, and about fills up, and there's like eight exit row seats. Nobody sitting in them. Plenty of leg room. So I tell Bev, I said, let's go grab a couple of seats. Let's get out of our seat and go sit there. She says. All right. So we jump up and get us a couple extra seats. The guy behind us says, hey, hey. A pastor said, you can't do that. I said, why not? He said, they don't let you do that anymore. They charge extra for those seats. He said, they're not going to let you stay there. I said, maybe they will. He goes, no, they ain't. They ain't going to let you stay there. I said, let's just see. So the flight attendant walks by. Bev and I are sitting there. We're not supposed to be there. Sometimes you got to have courage. The guy that's got on to us says, hey, can I take one of those? He said, no, sir, you cannot. And I see him. Because I'm sitting there. So another guy jumps up, tries to get one of the fine tickets. No, 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 you can't do it. Moves him out. So then he turns around and looks at us. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy. Now I'm going to have to move, right? The guy's already took my seat. It's just, so now I saw, here we go. You know, I hate that feeling, right? He looks at me and goes, what's your name? I said, Kent Maddox. He said, it seems like I've seen you hundreds of times before. I just want to thank you for being a platinum executive member with American Airlines. (laughs) 
ஆமா he said let me go up and see if there's not some first class seats i can get you in he goes he goes he goes to the first class and comes back he says i am so sorry it's full but hey look there's plenty of food and drink up there i'll bring it back to you he said i'm just glad, i'm just honored to have you the guy behind me is going i'm like So he comes back again. He goes, are you sure there's nothing? I, Tell me your name again. I'm like, surely he's going to find out I'm not a platinum, whatever that is, you know. So I'm like, because I can't lie, so I, I, but I'm not saying I'm not a platinum ever. You know? I'm, not, I'm not saying nothing. I'm just. But if he asks my name, I tell him, Kent Maddox. And he wrote it down. He goes, I just want to thank you again. And all throughout the flight, he's just, and the guy behind us is seething and uh Uh, he's between one and 150, you know. <laughs> I'm about 500 of you. <laughs> I got joy in the Lord. <laughs> Favor gonna make some other people mad at you. What is favor? I ain't supposed to be here, but I am. I didn't supposed to have it, but I got it. I didn't want to get blessed, but I'm in it. It's called favor. That's what God wants to move us into. Into the fight, he came back one more time. I just want to thank you again. <laughs> Honored to have you on the flight. I'm going to thank you very much. <laughs> Favor. Weeping. It's only for a night's day. But Favor lasts a lifetime. Woo! This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.